Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Sunday Morning Service Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dr. Peter Young. I wanted to um, share with you a little bit about the fast. Thank you all for participating, by the way. Um, I don't know if you, I should say, did you enjoy it? But but I heard lots of testimonies of things. Um, I wanted to give a couple high level things that came out of that. We're going to meet as a senior team this week to sort of see what we do with that. But um, uh, I'm going to talk about the fast for just a few minutes and then possessing your inheritance. So um, first thing we were focused on was the issue of intimacy with Jesus, his agenda, getting rid of distractions. And I'm actually on a second leg of the fast because I was sick for six weeks. And then in Panama, a variety of things. And I didn't feel like I dealt with my distractions. So I'm again on a fast and uh, dealing with that. I really felt that the Lord was really, really serious with us. And I don't know how many of you noticed all your distractions, uh, but it's the Lord's really saying it's time to focus on me that in the uh, world that we're in today, we're going to um, we're gonna need to have our eyes on Jesus. And so that was our focus to start with. Secondarily, what is God saying to you? Perhaps Bridgeway Church as it relates to assignments 24. And uh, things that we heard repeatedly on the prayer calls, uh, some of you joined us, thank you. There were about 30, 35 that joined us on prayer calls uh, every Monday through Thursday, Friday for three weeks. So thank you so much. And um, theme, the time of harvest. Um, and uh, this was a phrase that came out of that. We have spent our labor on preparing instead of harvesting. It's time for harvesting. And God will send the lost and the broken, and we must gain God's weeping heart for them, all hands on deck. And we've actually seen that. I was just at Abba's table um, last night. Was it last night? I've lost track. Radiant House. Was, it was on Friday, their, their um, first anniversary. And they had someone saved at that meeting. You know, you just heard Jennifer give a testimony of that. We are seeing that all over, um, salvations. And it is a time for harvest. And what this kind of, what the Lord was saying is, there was a lot of time on the prayer calls about gaining the heart for the lost and just being willing to go for it. So I was in a, um, a hot tub at my fitness center last night. And I listened to three guys that were just spewing like junk. And I finally just had enough when I just confronted all three of them with the gospel. <laughs> they were talking about women in ways no one should talk about them. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm just going to lay it out straight and just went for it. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, it's a harvest time and it's important to just keep that in mind. So we just want to let you know that we're, we're praying about some things. There's some things I'm going to submit to the senior team about that uh, that's come up. The second is this idea of hidden place of intimacy. Um, a variety of uh, people, we, these are nothing new to us. This is what we got when we spoke about the beginning of 2024. You know, we've been kind of sharing with you periodically over the months of what we feel God is doing. And so I, I was encouraged that we're actually in sync with what God's doing. But the hidden place of intimacy was so, so crucial. And that uh, in the time of shaking that is gonna be around us, um, that it's like a Psalm 91 moment. If we are dwelling in the shadow of the wings of the Almighty, no harm shall befall us. And I, I mean that in your body, your soul, your spirit, that there's a place of immunity in intimacy with the Lord. So um, I would just encourage, it was interesting to uh, see how the Lord took us with communion 
and just the songs around that of, again, about the Father's love and about intimacy. So I'd encourage you to just sow into that. That's part of what I'm sowing into with my fast is I'm stepping up what I do and I'm really disciplining myself in that area. Um, also, the idea of cleansing and pruning. I don't know if any of you have felt this, some of those that I've talked to are talking about God exposing their idols, God exposing this, God exposing that. And um, uh, I, there was a phrase that I, I, I heard during the fast, the church is almost pruned back enough to begin to bear fruit. And <laughs> if you know anything about uh, a vine that produces, they literally... Um, you know, they, they have them on these trellises, you know, with the, the vine going out and they produce fruit about six to eight inches above where they cut these, these vines. And then over the summer, it grows all these leaves to get nutrients for the roots, etc. But what you do is after you harvest the grape, you literally prune it back to the very last bud on the original stalk. You take everything away in the fall and it's pruned for new fruit bearing. If you don't cut all that old stuff away, it won't bear fruit in the same fashion. And so literally it's a, it's a fulfillment of what COVID-19 was about for the church. It's a time to cut away old things, distractions, things that hold us back. And even good things, the former things, the ways we did ministry, different things like that to the place where God is now we're abiding in the vine in full dependence and we've been pruned back by his word, by the things that are happening to the place where we're in a new season of growth. And you heard that through the word that was given this morning, that the Lord is saying there's a new season coming. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully you're pruned enough. Uh, it's no fun getting pruned. Um, but there you go. A, a couple other things. We heard about family restoration and radical unity, um, that God was going to be restoring and setting a, a right families and family relationships. And um, there was a number that really had heart for family, heart for unity, just the radical need for unity. Um, our, our prayer guys last night um, that were hanging out in the prayer room just you know, talked about a phalanx, if you know that in Roman, um, Roman like military culture, there was the shields in the front, the shields on the side, and the shields in the back. And they marched with everyone's covered and that, that's what radical unity looked like. And I also got a word on Thursday similar to that. I, I guess I haven't been watching enough football, but, but I guess the, the Philadelphia Eagles, like had, this year they did this thing where they just bunched up on the line and then they pushed, the quarterback went through the push. I, I'm more familiar with rugby where it's like a flying wedge that just kind of pushes someone through. But the idea was when we're in unity, we'll cross finish lines we could not do otherwise. And so I uh, just want to submit that. We heard again, it's a banner year for Bridgeway, growing and sending, growing and sending. And you know, as a senior pastor, you hear that. Yeah, I mean, we got that in Panama. First thing, like, pastor, I see you're a sending house. You're going to send people, you're going to send people, and they're going to come, you're going to go, they're going to come, they're going to go. And part of that is you all going to the nations. Um, you know, if everyone goes that signed up for trips, we'll have about 10% of us going to the nations this year. We also have our teams going out. So some of the sending is from within, sending and coming back. But also some, some new works are maybe launched this year and we're just really open to what God has. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then the Lord spoke, and we'll do more on this later about restoring Bridgeway's core foundation. So you're gonna see some videos in the coming weeks 
of one of our, our staff members talking about our core values. And in particular, we felt like the Lord was saying he's going to take worship to a deeper level. And so um, the Lord is um, uh, doing something that with that. We have a long history of, of things in worship. And there's ebbs and flows and ebbs and flows. And the Lord is restoring something in this season. And so we'll just see what that looks like. And then we heard revival, renewal, Holy Spirit outpourings, and that that will be coming uh, probably not quite initially. I think the season of pruning is still for the next couple of months. Um, no fun, but there we go. So that's just what we heard. We'll let you know more about that. So I'm gonna go ahead and um, start with this concept out of Joshua 13 to 19. I know it's a lot of chapters, uh, but I wanna start talking about possessing your inheritance. And by possess, I don't mean just taking it, but I mean occupying it, walking in it, um, owning it, displacing enemy systems that may be residual in that, and not only possessing, but being victorious and seeing the kingdom occupy that land. So that's, that's the title of my message, Processing Your Inheritance. And I wanna just kind of give some context for Joshua versus us today as a church, as New Testament believers. In Joshua's day, and this is partly confusing for us uh, as New Testament folks, it was predominantly a physical issue, like a physical territory, physically getting delivered from Egypt, physically coming out of the desert, physically going into a land, physically dispossessing or pushing out um, you know, the Canaanites, the Hittites, all the ites of the land. Um, but in the believer's day, it's predominantly spiritual. So there's a little bit of difference of that. Uh, many aspects of our inheritance have already been given to us through Christ. And I just wanna highlight some of those. So for, for Joshua, it, the, the issues were, the battle was getting saved, really. They were slaves in Egypt, and they were getting delivered out of bondage. They were then wandering in the wilderness because of their unbelief. And they were waiting to come into the promised land. And through the time of Joshua, which hint is a prefiguration of Christ, the commander of the Lord's army, they came in and they had victory provided they were following the commander of the Lord's army. And it was about uh, living up to their calling, which was they were called to be a royal priesthood, a holy people that was God's own possession. And through them, God was going to establish his kingdom where he reigned as king on the earth through these people that were 100% sold out to them. And the battle was for this geographic territory, getting the inheritance, and the opposition was a world system and actual people that dwelt in structures in the land. Now for us in the New Testament, our battle is we've already been saved in Christ. Those of you that know Jesus today, it's like the corporate battle has already been won. He's saved us from our sin. He's delivered us from bondage. He's done a number of things, but there's a residual amount of strongholds that sometimes we need to drive out. And so, and it's spiritual in nature, not physical. And so if you will, it's like we're dealing with the effects of our orphan spirit. We're dealing with our inner heart wounds. We're dealing with the residual things. Christ already has won the victory. And what's interesting in Joshua, if you remember in chapter one, he said, go in and take the land because I've already given it to you. That was the language to Joshua. Behold, I have already given. It was a, a prophetic perfect. It was a past tense. 
The land is already yours. Now go and Yerosh, dispossess the enemy and take what has already been given. We have the same thing in Christ, but it's a spiritual battle, not a physical. We're not driving out our neighbors. We're um, taking territory spiritually. And we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. First Peter chapter two, verse nine tells us that, that we are actually learning to become those people. And the battle is about bridal preparation. And yes, we have spiritual opposition that stands in our way. But here's the key, your faith, the commander of the Lord's army, which is Jesus, he is our champion and he's caused us to walk in victory. So that's the journey. Those are the parallels um, that we have in Christ. The next thing I wanna do is just kind of give you an overview because it's been like four weeks, a month since we were in Joshua. We had three weeks of other messages that we gave. And thank you, Daniel and John. Listen to both your messages. They were awesome. And uh, Sonship. And then, oh, let's see if I can remember the three. It was um, righteousness, peace, and joy and the progression of that. John, those were brilliant, all those, both of you. So here's the review, just where we have started, where we are today. In chapters one to five, it was preparation to enter the land and coming into the land. We talked about, I gave four or five messages about coming out of the desert, crashing the Jordan and faith, what that looked like. You'll have to go back on YouTube in 2023 to see those. Then we talked in chapters six through 12 about a victorious conquest, that as long as their eyes were on the Lord, they followed his commands, they inquired of him, that there was this, um, there was this complete victory, and they, in the middle of that, in the middle of those battles, they made covenant with the Lord on uh, Mount Gerizim and Mount Shechem, uh, you know, in, outside Shechem, and they covenanted there. And now today's message will be one message in uh, tribal inheritances. I'll talk about that. It's chapter 13 to 19. In 20 and 21, we have this odd thing of cities of refuge, which by the way, we're gonna learn some things about that. Um, I think even with um, immigration and things that are happening, there's some interesting things of the Lord's heart about cities of refuge we need to understand and then cities for the Levites who did not have a physical inheritance in the land. And we'll talk about that. And then there's a near disaster in chapter 22 through the issue of offense that we'll talk about and the need for unity, mopping up, and the, and the covenant loyalty that we need to finish the journey well. So now I'm on to the sort of main part of this. And um, oh, I'm, I'm just gonna skip this slide. We don't need to go there. I want to start in 13. Here's how I'm going to do it, because I'm not going to read you seven chapters. Um, it would be here all day. Um, but I'm going to hit some highlight verses. I'll start in 13, 1 to 7. There's an introduction here of the division of the land. So what's happened is, literally, in the earlier chapters, 1 through 12, they came into the land, they defeated all of the southern area and all of the central and the northern area and brought it under the territory of Israel. But there were lots of cities that were left unconquered. So let's just kind of read this. Chapter 13, verse one. Now when Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years, and there remains very much land yet to be possessed. This is the land that yet remains. And then in the remaining verses, it lists the territory. The Philistines goes all the way through, lists about uh, 20 or 30 places. 
and ends with the Sidonites in verse, oh, I don't know where it is, about six or so. And this is the Lord's promise. I will drive them out from before the children of Israel, only divide it by lot. And by lot is the way the Lord spoke to the priests about his will. So God is gonna direct this to Israel as an inheritance as I've commanded you. So divide these things, etc. So the idea here is um, there's lots of land to be taken, enemy strongholds to drive out, and there's a territory assigned to each tribe. Now I wanna apply that for you and I today. What that means for me is each of us has some territory spiritually that still needs to be conquered. You can't let residual sin that has been there for years remain. There's a fear of the Lord on this kind of thing right now. Um, there, the, the issues of heart, the heart blocks, the stones, the unbelief, areas that have just plagued you. God is wanting to, and the promise is God himself will go before you and be your commander in chief and drive them out. The issue will be, do you have faith? Are you willing to obey and go there? And are you willing to allow him to deal with those things? The second thing is each of you has a territory. So what happened for Israel is there's this corporate victory. And then God said, give it to the tribes, which were the 12 sons of Jacob. And then in that, each of those tribes, clan by clan, which would be family units, were given a portion in the land and it was their assignment to take what God had assigned to them and possess it, occupy it, make it their own and drive out the enemies so that the kingdom could be corporately established through the land. So the picture of this is you and I are each given a call or a destiny. We have callings as families, as individuals. I, I recognize corporate anointings on families and the idea there is we are faithful in what God has assigned to us and we have that promise, God will give us victory. And as we do that, the whole community benefits from each of us taking what is ours. This is making sense. This is how it introduces uh, in the concept there. Um, and I would just say this, just so that we're not... Um, concerned about these strongholds um, to the extent where you feel like, ah, oh, I've never made any progress. I, I wrote down a list of some things that are already new for you in Christ. They've already been accomplished. You've got a new identity, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You're a son or daughter. You're saved from your sins. You're a saint, not a sinner. You've been made by God. You're a new creation. All things are made new. So you stand from what God has already accomplished and you move from that place. Secondly, you have a new freedom. Romans 8 talks about it. You're no longer under condemnation. Uh, you are free from guilt, religious duty. You're released to be what God has meant you to, to be by the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. You also have a new hope. Uh, Romans 5.5, 5, there's a power for you to change and there's more glorious days ahead. You go from glory to glory in Christ. You move from faith to faith and you progress in what God has established. And this has already been paid for in Christ. You have a new power. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's the Holy Spirit. You have a new victory because Christ has defeated all of your enemies. Everything's under his feet. You have a new peace and you have a new vision and purpose. So I just want to remind us as I talk for a minute about the territories to take, 
I wanna make sure you understand that God has already brought a great deal to you and you live from being seated with Christ in heavenly places, from heaven towards earth rather than from earth towards heaven. Here's how that works. I've been in settings where I've been with people that are striving in prayer, like, oh God, do this, do this. And I'm thinking, we're begging heaven to come down, but actually, heavens are, we're already seated with heaven, and what we need to do is live and legislate from heaven and bring heaven to earth rather than try to beg heaven to come down. And so, um, this is important when you think of your strongholds. You need to think from a position of already done, accomplished, and victory rather than I've got to fight to obtain something that's not mine, it's actually already given. But you have, the, you have the challenge to occupy and possess. And here's the deal, God actually leaves them in your territory so that you learn to be an overcomer because you're being trained to reign with Christ. You can't rule in cities in the new age unless you learn how to overcome in this age. To him who overcomes, I will give, etc. These are like the seven churches. To him who overcomes, some have persecution, some have lost their first love, others have sin issues, idolatry in their life, whatever that is. And if we overcome, we're promised a place in, in the future realities. And so God is actually leaves it to strengthen us. The problem is we think they're problems. They are obstacles and they're problems and we're gonna fix it and we're gonna work hard and have our accountability. Wait a minute, you're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. Let's bring the commander to bear to the situation so that we occupy it in his power. And we forget that as Christians. We watch God do this miraculous salvation in our life, deal with our major issues. We're like, yes, and then suddenly the minor issues are there and we struggle with them and we try to work on them. You were saved by grace. You actually occupy by grace. You were saved by faith. You actually possess your fullness by faith. So I just kind of want to lay that out before I, I describe that. This, by the way, is a picture of the land that they got when in, through Joshua chapter 12. Now, it's smaller than the assignment. I can tell you all of what you see is actually supposed to be assigned to them. There are some tribes on the east of the Jordan, down the middle is the Jordan River, you see the Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee. You see a small place on the upper tribes, the central and the southern, and all the white areas are yet unconquered. So this is what they occupied uh, initially. And so what happens here in the next chapters is the chapters are divided out. So first in chapter 13, as it finishes, through the rest of the chapter, it describes this is what Moses assigned to the eastern tribes, and it lists all these places on the east. Uh, but the comment editorially is they did not drive out the inhabitants of this, this, and this place. And the Levites were given no land. The Lord himself is their inheritance. So what's interesting is they were given a territory, but the failure notice was they, did, they failed to occupy it fully. They didn't drive out. Um, I think I have a picture of what they, this is what they were ascribed. Notice how full it is. See that? This is what they actually initially occupied. And they were commanded to take all of it. And it was left in them, 
not just a corporate victory, but tribe by tribe, family by family, to possess their land so they would learn to be overcomers and they would become that kingdom of priests. Is this making sense? So, um, same thing. They listed the tribe by, um, you know, by tribe by tribe, etc. So I'll go to the next slide. In the remaining chapters, we have kind of a chiastic arrangement, which means they've got bookends, where they talk about Caleb's inheritance, and then at the close, Joshua's inheritance. Caleb was a man of faith and of zeal who obeyed the Lord in the wilderness, and Joshua was the same, and those were the two that the Lord said, I will, everyone else I'm taking out because of their unbelief, but because of your zeal for me, your wholeheartedness and your faith, I'm taking you in and I will give you a territory. And actually their book ending, Joshua and Caleb indicate to us, there's your principle. Taking the territory depends on your willingness to believe God in faith, regardless of the impossibility of what seems to be before you to be zealous for that territory. So we read this story, I'll pick up on Caleb. Um, Caleb's the first one talked about, it's in chapter 14, verse six. Well, no, I'll go further down. Um, here's Caleb's words starting in verse nine. Um, so the Moses swore on that day, survey, uh, saying, the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, like he's, they've wandered 40 years. And he's, he's, this is an old man. This guy's in his 80s. And it says, um, while Israel was wandering, and now here I am in this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so is now my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke that day. Amen. I will have this territory, it's mine. And he, he goes on and it says that the, the editorial comment at the end is, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel, and the name of Hebron was Kiriath Arba, Arba being the greatest man amongst the Anakim, the giants. And it picks up later in 15, and it talks about Caleb's victory. He drove out three sons of Anak, verse 14. Shishai, Achim, and Ta'ai, the children of Anak, he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir, and he took that also. And then he actually takes territory for his daughter and for Othniel. He actually takes territories for his family. And the lower comment was, um, the, the comment was that he fully conquered the territory assigned to him. Uh, so I got a principle with Caleb. His faith and his zeal and his wholeheartedness and his willingness to say, I will have the territory God promised me. That determination kept him from not driving out the inhabitants and he actually occupied the land. Joshua, by the way, at the close in chapter 18 is assigned a territory for he and his family and he fully occupies it. The comment on both of them is they, no, there's no editorial comment they failed to drive out. It's actually they took the territory. So I think I wrote some principles down for this. Let me see how I find them. I didn't, I'll just leave it. In the middle, 
chapters 15 to 17, and then 18 to 19, we see the description of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Ephraim and the half tribe or Manasseh, the half tribe of Manasseh. These are, by the way, Joseph's. Joseph was one of the 12, but he had two boys in Egypt and the inheritance was split to the two boys instead of Joseph. So uh, Joseph was favored as was Judah. And what's, what's struggling about these chapters is it spends a long time. They got the largest territory by far. In fact, the North was known as Ephraim. And the South was known as Judah because their territories were the largest. And, um, and, yet, and then the other tribes had to survey and figure out what was left and they got assigned territory. Some of them got assigned territory that had not yet been conquered, which was interesting. So I just wanted to note that. And then the, the seven tribes get in, uh, assigned that inheritance. And here's that picture again where they are. So you'll see... The, the light green at the bottom with Simeon in the middle, that's Judah. Um, the, the brown East Manasseh and then West Manasseh, uh, Manasseh Ephraim is the yellow and purple territory. It's like most of the North is one tribe or the, the two half tribes and then Judah, most of the South. So I have some things I wanna draw as conclusions out of this. Um, first of all, from the editor's comments. What I mean by the editor, when they write this down, you look for stress and emphasis, like what is highlighted in the story. And multiple times, it was the territory, it was cast by lot, and it was assigned to where they would be by the Lord. So the implication for you and me is this, God has assigned you a territory, and it's different than the neighbor sitting next to you. And God's okay with that. And we need to be okay with that. Um, some are given 10 talents, some are given five talents, some are given one talent. The issue is not the size, but what have you been assigned and are you faithful with what is assigned? All of the ones in the parable of the talents, whether it was five or 10, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. So if you've been assigned one assignment and you've been faithful, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. If you've been assigned five and you're faithful with five, well done, good and faithful servant. Same for 10. The issue is not size. The issue is faithfulness. So that's one thing. The other is they weren't equal in size. I guess I've said that. Number three, the Levites got no physical inheritance. Um, the quote was this, the Levites have no part among you for the priesthood of the Lord is their inheritance. They're later given cities. I'm gonna unpack that when I get to chapter 21. But there are still Levites today. It's those that serve in full-time ministry to an extent, and they actually depend on the offerings that are brought to the Lord's temple. That's how the Levites, they, they, the offerings were brought in. Their, their inheritance was the Lord himself, his presence, and that which the people of God brought to the temple. That was their inheritance. And then uh, finally, there was this repeated phrase, either they did not drive them out or could not drive them out, or to this day they dwell and serve as forced labor. So here's some principles I want us to understand. I've already mentioned this. For you and I, God wants us to understand that um, he is assigned um, by will certain things for us, and it's different. There's different calls for churches. There's different, which I'd call a tribe um, or 
denominations, tribes, there's different calls in clans within that, local churches, and there's different tri- calls for families and even individuals. And we are just seeking what is God assigned to me and I will be faithful with what's assigned. Now, here's the good news. If you still are an American and you're worried about size, um, if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. And what happened is the one who has been faithful with the most is given more. So if you're still thinking that way, just be faithful and God will increase your, your territory and expand your tent pegs. The kingdom's ever increasing. I'm just gonna pray into that for a minute. Lord, we just thank you that we are called to be faithful with what you've assigned to us. And we thank you that the commander of the Lord's army has gone before us. Your grace and your promise precedes us. And we are allowed to be faithful because of your grace and your enabling presence. And so Lord, we ask you to do that for us as we think about in a few minutes what we're gonna do with cleansing our territory. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, and we thank you that you've chosen our battles and you've chosen our victories and you've chosen what you've called us to walk in. And we just honor you for this and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Your inheritance is received by faith. I thought I'd just mention it, it's obvious, it's the same in the Old Testament. It was the faith and trust in God's ability to win the battle on behalf of the tribe, the clan, the family that gave them the ability to access the unseen realm and see God bring a great victory. So when they had faith for Jericho, the walls came down. When they didn't inquire of the Lord and they were prideful, they lost in Ai first time. When they failed to inquire, they, they had the Gibeonite ruse and they made a compromise and had forced labor living in their midst. And by the way, later, they're gonna become a snare. But when they trusted the Lord, like in Joshua 10, 11, and 12, there's this massive victory that takes place when they just believe God is able. So I just wanted to state that as a principle that we occupy by faith Caleb is an example of that. Here's a couple of New Testament texts just to affirm this. Matthew 9, 29, these are the, uh, this is the, the blind men. It says, then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, that it will be done. Uh, Matthew 17, 20, this is when uh, the, the, the boys, the three boys are coming down from the mountain of transfiguration and there's the rest of the disciples. They can't cast this demon out of the boy that throws himself in the fire. And they ask the question after Jesus steps in with his own faith and does, you know, heals the boy, delivers him of a spirit. You know, they're all, it's all about unbelief. And they ask him this question and Jesus says this, you could not do it because you have so little faith, but I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there and it will move. Nothing's impossible to you. So I could go on about the importance of faith, but we occupy it by faith. So let's just apply this. God's given you a territory. And he says, take it. But you actually need to exercise faith by stepping in and taking what God has assigned. And even though there are walls or obstacles that seem impossible, like, Lord, I've struggled with this sin for 30 years. How am I gonna deal with this? Or, like, you don't understand, Lord, my family, like, or my spouse, or whatever you're gonna blame it on, or my job, 
or my busy schedule. We'll have all these things, all these reasons that will keep us from there. And the issue is attaching faith that God gave a promise, I will get my territory. So Lord, we thank you that you're gonna do that. The third is you've gotta have a zeal for your inheritance. It does make a difference. Joshua and Caleb have zeal and they said, I will have this. And you see Jacob like, hey, not getting the, my inheritance and not getting the blessing from my dad, that's not an option. Whereas Esau was like, eh, I'm what the meal of stew right now. I'm not, <laughs> he despised his birthright, but Jacob was zealous for us and he, his name meant the grabber, the usurper. He was, and yet he's commended for his faith from reaching out and taking hold of it. And throughout that, you see, you see people in the gospels like, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And it's like the disciples are like, we, we need to stifle this guy, He's disturbing the master. Son of David, have mercy. And God hears that prayer. Jesus hears it and answers that. Zacchaeus, the sinner, the tax collector, climbs up a tree and Jesus sees it and says, Zacchaeus, I must come to your house today. And he's saved. It's this zeal that I will not be denied what God has promised me. I will take it. And there's this focus. John had said to us, one of the words for this year was focus. And I think there's this setting your face like flint. It is a warfare time. We've talked about this. The church is at war to advance the territory corporately. You're also advancing what God has given to you in this season. And some of that is just zeal and focus. God will do the rest. That's the key. God will do the rest. The third, the next one is to resolve to fight over the long haul. It said in Joshua 11 that he fought the kings for a long time. This was Joshua when he was winning the victory. It actually took him seven years to conquer the land. And then when he was old and advanced in years, he said, all right, I'm done. The Lord's giving me my, my golden year retirement time. Um, now the rest of you go take your territory. I'm assigning it to you. It's yours to take. Um, they fought battles for many years. Some drove things out. David drove out the Jebusites finally in Judah's territory. So some things were driven out, but others didn't drive them out. So this idea is it's a long haul battle. And you realize sometimes, do you all realize sometimes you have to face the same enemies multiple times? It's like you thought you kicked it two years ago and like, whoop, it pops up. And it's like, you know, it's like, Pop it, what were those things? Whack-a-mole. You know, and you whack it down, up it pops again. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is training you to reign because he wants a victorious bride that can do all things through Christ who strengthens them, who occupy in faith. And we even have parables like that, like this unjust widow in Luke 18, you know, uh, where it says, you know, she comes before, not the unjust widow, the unjust judge and the, the begging widow, and the widow comes to the unjust judge and says, give me justice against my adversaries. And finally, the guy who's unjust says, you know, this lady's bothering me so much. I'm just going to give her what she wants. And then the, the comment is like, shall not the Lord who hears the cries night and David's children, uh, though he tarries long, answer their cry. But when I come to the earth, will I find faith on the earth? There's the punchline. Oh, my goodness. So actually, God is allowing opposition and obstacles to train you in faith. Wow. 
So see them as opportunities to reign with Christ and extend his kingdom, not as problems that keep you from your destiny. Your mindset's everything. Has Jesus won the battle? Do you still have to fight? Absolutely, you've got a partner. But will he accomplish it or will you accomplish it? He will. But it's gonna take faith, obedience, and standing your ground. The last thing I wanna say, maybe there's two more, I can't remember. I'll just kind of bring them all up, keep me focused. Um, Some battles are waged in a corporate arena while some are waged individually. Did you notice Joshua and all of the tribes worked together to accomplish? And then it was like, all right, you guys go do your thing. Take your territory. So sometimes in corporate worship, we gain access to the presence. But you need to find that battle at home when your family or your job is in crisis and you learn to worship in that arena. Sometimes we come to church, we go to a prayer line and we we get physically healed or delivered of demonic torment. Do we know how to actually do that in our families when there's no corporate church and no ministry team available? I'm just saying, there's something here that God is seeing through the picture of corporately, a lot of victories are won, but individually and as families, we take territory. I just, I feel the strength of the Lord to take territory for you. I just feel like he's gonna do this as you attach faith to this. Um, Sometimes we've talked about this. You keep revisiting old battlegrounds. And it was interesting. I noticed Jerusalem popped up like a few times. Like they, they couldn't drive out Jerusalem. Then it says they defeated, they burned the city. But then it says they didn't drive out the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we actually know it was there until the time of David. So the Jebusites were a thorn in the side of Judah for hundreds of years until they were driven out. So... Don't lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good. But as you sow to righteousness, God will yield righteousness. As you sow to faith, God will answer as you sow into those things. Recognize the devastating danger of complacency. Some of these tribes, the comment as, they, as you read through the stories was they just failed to be bothered enough to drive them out was kind of the emphasis I felt. Lord, let us not become so complacent that we fail to drive out the enemies or the strongholds that still sit in our life. Let us not become comfortable with them and decide it's okay to let them sit there. And okay, oh, it doesn't really, I mean, it's kind of noisy, but it's okay, we're surviving. No, Lord, I want that out. I have the fear of the Lord. I want the fullness of the territory. If this is a season of revival, if this is a season of harvest, if this is a season of conquest, I must have what you've assigned. Lord, I have promises yet unfulfilled. I have things that you've promised and said, but I'm going to step into those now in faith. And I will not tolerate the foxes in the vineyard, the distractions, the noise of the world. One of my staff members, fasted social media and the phone. Had no idea what was going on in the world and it was just like totally at rest. I was like, yay God, that was amazing. I didn't fast my phone, I probably should have. By the way, I heard a testimony of a church during this season that fasted social media for 30 days as a church and it literally changed the church. 
Why? Because they weren't listening to the voices of the world and to all of the conflicting things that kept their focus from Jesus and intimacy and all that he's doing. And they said, uh, the, the comment that I was hearing, they said, well, why did you do 30 days? They said, well, if we just done a week, everyone can do a week because then you get back to it. We actually moved our apps to the backside of our app screens at the very end so that we didn't even see them. And we, we, we could still access the apps that were necessary for our jobs, but we didn't do anything else. No news channels, no social media, nothing. And it changed our focus for the Lord. I'm not saying you all need to do that right now. I'm not calling a 30-day fast to that per se, but I'm just talking about the complacency that we get locked into. What are your idols? What are the things that are keeping you from the fullness of what God has? And then again, resolve to fight over the long haul. So here's the application. I would just close with this. Um, you and I need to take the territory of our own hearts. I assume in the fast as the Lord did for me, the Lord exposed some issues in your heart, like issues of pride, maybe some idols that you're holding on to, maybe some things where you realized you weren't in full belief. Um, maybe you just saw things in your heart because out of the heart come the issues of life. That's Proverbs 4.23. Guard the wellsprings of your heart for out of your heart come the issues of life. Uh, Jeremiah 17, I think it's nine and 10 says, the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things. And it talks about the Lord judging and sifting the heart. We know in the parable of the sower, uh, the seeds of the sower of, um, in Matthew 13 and Mark four, where it talks about that some seed is on hard path, some is on rocky soil, some is amongst thorns, and others on good soil, 30, 60, or 100. The issue in, the, in Jesus, when he interprets this, is the soil is your heart. Some have hard hearts, rocky hearts, hearts enmeshed in the world, but the, the degree of fruit bearing depends on the condition of your heart. So Lord, we just pray that you give, uh, that you would ruthlessly, if we've not finished the journey, Prune our hearts back to the point where we're about to spring forth in fruitfulness. This new season that um, the word came forth is, we pray, Lord, that you would so prune our heart and change our heart. Like David, we cry out, Lord, search me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the ways everlasting. God, we invite you to be the spotlight in our heart. And Lord, you are capable of healing our hearts. And we invite you to do that. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. What about taking the territory of your lust, your words and behavior, like Romans 12, uh, one and two. You know, I think I wrote that one down. Maybe I didn't. Um, I did. Paul says it this way. I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may uh, prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of the Lord. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called. Sorry, I'm looking at the time. I don't have a clock in front of me today. So I'm just checking. Um, so this issue of taking the territory of our body, our lusts, 
maybe the words and behaviors that are about. So Lord, we just say, we're just, I'm just gonna pray into this for us. I actually ask, Lord, that you would send your angelic host like you did in the time of Joshua to win battles. And in the places where we are struggling in some kind of bondage with our body and our righteousness in that way, the words, our behaviors, God, would you put us on a short leash? Would you yank our chain the minute we walk off that path? Would you give us grace and angelic assistance that literally helps us in our journey as we're learning to walk out the things of righteousness? Your grace is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast in my weakness so that the grace and the power of God may rest upon me. So Lord, let the power and grace of the Lord rest upon us as we move in this area. What about taking the, the territory of your schedule and focus? I gotta be honest, that's my biggest issue, is my schedule and the things I focus on. I'm just well aware of that. What is it that God needs to do to set your priorities in order? The things you give your time to. I always give the excuse there's not enough time, but actually there's enough time to do what God's asked. I just put a lot of other things in there. <laughs> Sorry, just talking about myself for a moment. Uh, what about taking the territory of your God-given assignments, the things God has asked you and promised you? Are you? Did you just put your prophetic word on the shelf or have you learned to process your word and are you stewarding that and taking steps towards seeing the fulfillment of that word? The Lord challenged me with this. Um, when I was in Panama, I was kind of content to watch others do ministry and different things and just do my role of you know, preaching and things. And the Lord reminded me of a promise and said, you're not stepping into that one. And I'm like, oh, you're right. And so I stepped into it and I didn't have enough time to step in more, but I'm challenged with that. Are you stepping into what God has asked you and promised you? Are you content with what God has given you or are you jealous of your neighbor? Stop it. That, isn't that how, what, what's the, yeah, stop it. I think Scott said that in our story, stop it. Uh, isn't that Bob Newhart as a counselor? What's your problem? He talks to him for 10 minutes. He said, all right, stop it. That's a hundred bucks, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, that's random. That's really random. <laughs> I think the, I, obviously you can't just stop it without the power of the Lord, but the issue is if your contentment The scriptures exhort us to be content with what God has assigned. Contentment is great gain. It's part of godliness. And so I just call us, Lord, whatever is yours, don't worry about size, greatness, be content. And I tell you, as you're content with what you have, more comes. And then finally, develop a lifestyle of faith, obedience, and zeal for the Lord. We've talked about that enough. Oh, there's one, partner with, with grace to fight the long haul victory. Let me close this with some time of ministry. Um, oh, that was too fast. Go back. Okay, there it is. Sorry, it's, it's blued out, but there you go. I'll step down. Oh, I'll highlight the few that are, man, you guys are taking notes. Oh, my goodness. All right, there you go. So you can stand here, you can see it. Yeah. I hope you hear my heart in this. The reason we've been doing Joshua is this. I felt like in August, the Lord said, it's time for the church to advance. There's a war upon you. 
And my king, it's no, it's no longer time to prepare for the battle or prepare for the harvest. It's actually an advanced time. But I recognize most of us aren't quite fully prepared. So I felt like, yeah, let's preach out of Joshua where the kingdom was actually advanced. Let's learn what principles are there. And I hope you got the big idea today. What's the big idea? Big idea is you have residual issues. Yeah, stop it. There you go. <laughs> stop it. Get rid of those things. Flush them out. Are, am I just speaking to the choir? Or you get, I mean, do you get it? Like, it's like, yes, this is us. Um, so I'm actually going to try something new. Um, John just popped out. I was just about to call John, but he's not in the front. He's getting, okay, bless you. Um, I'm going to call um, John up, Daniel, Christy Joy. I'm just going to risk my staff. This is how you do it when you're a dad. You kick your kid down the mogul slope and say, I'll help you when you get to the bottom. You know, kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of how they grow. So I'm trying to make it safe. Um, Kara, you want to come up? Okay. All right. All right. Here's the deal. I want you to pick someone out of the crowd. I want you to give them a confirming destiny word. What's on their life. Take a moment. Now, here's the deal. I'm doing this partly for ministry because I want to remind you of who you are. Now, it'll be one or two that are called out here. You know, I guess we got four people. Um, and maybe pick someone you don't know. Like, take a real risk. Like, faith step. Yeah? Okay. Um, Father, we thank you for this for now. We're gonna just start with this as ministry. Lord, we thank you that for all of us, you are capable of speaking to us and reminding us of who we are. These words will just confirm what we already know. Wow. Yeah, I want you to tell them too how you got the person. Thank you, Lord. Um, I see somebody, so I'll tell you how I got it. I'm not, I, don't, I don't like get visions, I don't hear voices, but I saw Jennifer Fitzgerald right back there. And I don't know enough about your situation, but I feel like the Lord says the coming season is a season of increase and strengthening and that there are new things coming even yet this year that there is, you've been asking the Lord about certain things. There's been some desires in your heart. And the Lord says, I see you. And that fulfillment is closer than you think. And so I just wanna bless you with what God is doing in your life. Bless you, Jennifer. Okay, um, oh, how we saw them? Okay, I closed my eyes and I felt like Holy Spirit showed me different points of the sanctuary where fire was falling on top of, almost like a flame on top of people's heads. And so I opened my eyes and tried to figure out who was sitting, where the fire was. And so this gentleman in the back here, sitting next to Carrie. Yes, you. What's your name? Orain. Oh, that's Orain. It's Orain. Oh, technically, sorry, I couldn't tell from here. Oh, my glasses yeah. on. Have him stand up. Can you stand up, Orain? I saw, I saw, like I said, fire on top of your head, and it reminded me of the upper room. 
when the tongues of fire fell on people. And I just feel like you have this call on your life like Peter did that day. To I believe that he's going to start giving you just this insane boldness and courage to step out and just preach the gospel. No fear of man, no worries, even if it doesn't make sense to those around him. Like, they'll be like, what are you doing? You're like, don't you know what I'm doing? Isn't it obvious? But, but there's this power on you and there's this love on you. So I just bless you. And this, there's going to be more open doors for you to do this day by day. By day. And it's not, it's not the big things in life that really, like, big giant opportunities. It's being faithful in all the little tiny opportunities. Thank so I you. feel like he's going to start opening doors for you every day. So keep an eye out. And it might just be a little pull. But he's going to give you the boldness to just, hey, do you know Jesus? Like, just to, just to preach the gospel. And I think it's going to increase in your life, Orin. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to keep them brief. You know, we don't have to elaborate. Just the word. Nail it. Great. Okay, so. How'd, how'd um, you get it? David M. David. Stand up. Yes, you. <laughs> Um, I heard this scripture, um, you will go forth with joy, be led forth with peace. The trees um, will clap their hands. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. in Psalm. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, there you go. Okay, so um, I just said, saw that over you, but um, you were wearing red, and immediately when I turned around, my eye just went directly to you. And the Lord says that you have been so faithful, and this message is exactly for you, that there are dreams in your heart um, that you have yet to see, but because of your faithfulness, because of your tenacity, because of your saying yes to, to Jesus, he is about to release the more over your life. So um, he is so proud of you, and he calls you just this joyful son. You are bringing peace to your workplace. You are bringing joy to your workplace, and it will cause more conversations of people who want to know him. So I bless you with the dreams in your heart and the things that God has ahead of you. He says, yes, you're a great leader, David. I can trust you with more. Amen. You got time for two more? Bear with us, then we'll pray for all of you. Okay, <clears throat> the, the prophetic-looking gentleman there in the blue shirt, uh, under armor, you're right there with the beard. Yeah, if you want to stand up. I just was scanning, and you just became larger than everybody else in the spirit. I was like, okay, he's the guy. I just saw this foundation, almost like a threshing floor, and I felt like the Lord said, you're a foundation for a lot of activity to happen in the kingdom, and that you have connections in different nations, and just... I see the Lord using you to orchestrate people, create connections, connect people together. There's certain things that need to happen in the kingdom that happen on the foundation of who you are in the spirit. And if, you're, uh, if your gifts have been questioned at all, I just feel like the Lord just confirms that you have maturity in the spirit and that he wants to use you. You have a father spirit on your life and sons are waiting for you to father them and to raise them up. And so just want to encourage you to walk in your anointing, connect people, Man. and that God has things for you in the nations. And I heard the date, September 14th. I don't know if that's significant at all, but if that is, let me know. Uh, we can connect after the service, but bless you and all the Lord has for you. Um, the gentleman next to Josh Connor, Connor um, the couple actually. Uh, yeah. So, what's your name, sir? Sean and Larissa. Um, yeah, Larissa and Sean. 
Yeah, uh, would you mind? Yeah, please, please stand. I, uh, I don't, I, I have not met you. If if I have and I've forgotten, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I I heard the uh, two words renew and refresh, and I um, I also heard the phrase the investment that you have done is not going to go for a waste. God's going to take that and it's going to multiply in the kingdom. Um, and I also saw a big boulder in front of you, but the Lord's actually pretty much shattering it. And it's almost like the, the wall of Joshua fell down flat. Uh, it's kind of weird when the wall falls down, it'll fall down in a heap, but it falls down flat. But it's in the same way, uh, what is in front of you, the, the stumbling block is going to fall down flat. Um, and there is a restoration in your family, in, in relationships that have uh, kind of doubted and, and things like that. So God's bringing that back to you as a time of renewal, uh, refreshing and restoration um, into your destiny. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Okay, John, um, Caroline Staley's birthday is September 14th, so catch her after service. Give her a word. Um, did that date mean anything to you? No. I, I felt, it, not yet, but I felt like it was a word for Caroline. You're going to get a word for Caroline. She's right in the back, back there. So why don't you all stand? Let's pray. By the way, you know, part of this, uh, these four, I mean, I could have called up more of my staff, uh, this Jean uh, here. Some of them are not here to, right now in the, in the room. But they're all going to be world changers in nations. They're all going to do amazing things. And part of what you're seeing is, um, this is how we challenge each other corporately, is we, I'm challenging them to take their territory. They're going to speak to leaders. They're going to speak to pastors. They're going to speak to churches. They're going to speak to regions and give prophetic things that will shift atmospheres. So it starts in a safe place like this where we just kind of call out some names and go for it. But I just, I was kind of modeling for you. This is how this works. Take a small step, go for it. And if you're afraid to do it, have your spouse kick you out and do it. Um, well, not kick you out of the house, you know what I mean? I'm, my brother-in-law did that for me. Uh, I, I, I'll never forget, we're, there's like eight cops lined up. We're, we're giving treasure hunts, prophetic words. And he, he came up and he said, oh, this is my friend Peter. He's got, a, uh, he's got an encouraging word for you. I'm like, <laughs> and sure enough, all down the line, I had to go down the line, but it's like he just kicked me into it. And that's part of how we do this. So if, you, if you're afraid, get your kid to kick you into it. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I pray right now, if there's anyone watching us online or here that does not know Jesus, I'm just gonna give them an opportunity, Lord. Would you just... If that's you or you want to rededicate your life to Christ, you want to see him um, face-to-face, get to know him, um, put your hand on your heart, just, just say to the Lord, Lord Jesus, I want you to come in. I want you to be my commander-in-chief. I want you to um, lead my life. I want to have this victorious life I've been hearing about today. And I invite you to come in. I invite you to take over my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, Wash me of my sin. Take ownership of my life. I give it to you. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the Bridgeway Church Sunday Service Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please feel free to click subscribe and share it with a friend. 
We invite you to support our ministry by giving at bridgeway.us forward slash give. Join our Sunday morning services in person weekly at 9.30 a.m. at 5201 East Warren Avenue in Denver. For more resources, classes, community events, or to follow us on social media, go to bridgeway.us or search for Bridgeway Church Denver online.